0: Hey, welcome in, everybody, to the next edition of the Overtime Heroics Hockey Show. I'm your host, Joe, joined by Luke and Frederick again. Start with Luke, how you doing this week?
1: I'm doing great, thank you.
0: Welcome. Uh, how you doing, Frederick?
2: Well, I'm doing good. Um, had a busy week, but
0: it's quite well. Yeah, everything's been good. We're getting a snowstorm in the Northeast now, but... Thank you. Save in yeah, Denmark, yeah. so be fair. Yeah, hockey weather. We've got the hockey weather as we're talking about the hockey. But first, we'll get to the topic of uh, Anthony or Tony D'Angelo, whatever you want to call him, was put on waivers by the New York Rangers due to being a cancer issue in the locker room, so to speak. Um, I'll go to Luke first for this one. Do you think, one, the Rangers will be able to— Mend fences and keep him, or he's definitely going to go somewhere else. And if he goes somewhere else, do you, do you have any idea in mind of where that could fit?
1: I think the Rangers are going to let him go because if he, we saw what he did today, because what I've been hearing about um, the news is that Chris Kreider punched him uh, while they were at practice, and then you have or Alexander get punched him in practice. There's all these rumors out there that are somewhere, and if that and if that happened today, I if I were the Rangers, I would not. Have him back because what if this sort of cycle of him being this sort of cancer continues and he just infects all the teammates with with his like cancerous attitudes? Like it's gonna be really, it'll be really bad for the Rangers. Um, yeah, it'll be really bad for the Rangers. Uh, for, uh, for their uh for the players because they they want them to play well, and not get frustrated with each other. So I feel like if I were the Rangers, I would want to keep him far away from them as possible. And seeing how he's done so far, he's not looking too great. Um, I don't know really anything that's really lacking defensive. Um, maybe um, I'll say, I guess I could say Florida. Maybe Florida could use some defensive, uh, defensive uh play. Maybe the Florida Panthers could really use them.
0: Yeah, Florida would be interesting because they could bring him in if they do envision moving Yandel, which is a topic we'll get to later because that would add more offense for Florida after getting rid of an offensive defenseman in Keith Yandel. But that could definitely be one possibility. I agree with that. But I also full-heartedly agree with you. After that happens in a practice, I don't think there's a going back. Uh, As a defender, you're the last line of literal defense (laughs) <laughs> for your goaltender. You're supposed to protect him at all costs, yet you're fighting him in practice. So, yeah, that, that doesn't that doesn't really fly. But, uh, Frederick, what do you think on the whole thing? And do you think they'll be able to mend it, or do you think he's going elsewhere? And if elsewhere, what is an idea for you of a location?
2: Um, I think for an idea, I, I don't think it's a shame, because he has talent. But I think this is his initial career done. I think he's going to look agile. Um. He's going to be very good in the KPL, um, and he might be able to return in a couple of years, which we have seen in the past, but I, it's so difficult. Once you've been labeled, like he has been labeled, um, and people can make the old mind that, that's right or wrong, that's not my place to do, but um, he has been labeled as this locker room annoyance, and when you have this reason, and it's very, very clear, that it isn't performance-wise. Because if it's not performance-wise, there's definitely teams who could need a defender and give them a new spot to settle. I could mention even Minnesota, just because they just presumably lost Matt Dunbar. They need a new defender that can fill that offensive defenseman role. Uh, however, I it's so difficult to justify taking a risk on someone when you want to build good locker room chemistry, especially when you are needing to take COVID seriously you need to take all these measurements serious so it is so difficult but Florida is a is an option I could see a few places where yeah it would make sense maybe even the sentences would need a defenseman. they have been really struggling but yes it, there's a lot of difficulties with that because since moved to Canada all the things there is it's it's a really difficult situation to, to kind of Find out, and there's not a lot piece of pieces that need to fall in place for Tom to Angelis. If not, and I think it won't,
0: he's going to the KHL. Yeah, I, I could see that happening. Uh, going overseas, um, to try to get better, um, and try to come back. Um, granted, the KHL is a different beast too. I won't get into it from the different um podcast i've listened to because that's a whole different That will be here for three hours literally than 30 minutes yeah. but but the khl was even tougher than the nhl in terms of how the locker rooms how people it's a pretty bullish league let me just put it that way in terms of how people how things are handled in the k but if he can deal with that environment and he can um flourish in it and then come back, then sure. I'm just not so sure how he's going to deal with people standing up to him more, most likely, in that environment than they would in the NHL level. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with D'Angelo. A team that I always just think of because it's a team that I cover and follow a lot, and they've always had projects and made them into good defensemen, is LA, but the problem with that is I don't see why they would need him and why they would take the risk because the Kings are three and three and two right now with eight points. They're actually off to a surprising start, yeah. doing pretty well. And their locker room, the best part of that team is how their locker room's together. So bringing in Tony D'Angelo ain't going to help with that. So that that that's why I think, unless if McClellan knows for a fact, he's going to be able to blend him in and everything will go. I don't see them taking that risk just because it's not as needed. The other California team, though, in the Sharks, because of how Struggling guys like Carlson have been coming off injury. He hasn't looked the same offensively. They haven't had as much offense from their back end. If there's any team that I could see doing it, it would be them because some of their guys are getting slower, aging out now. They don't have as much uh, pep in their step as they used to have. Let's put it that way. And using someone like D'Angelo might help there, now, my one friend, it's funny that I do another podcast, which is texted in our one group. Should the Flyers go after him? Absolutely not. The Flyers already have Gustafsson who's trying to learn the system. I don't need to bring in Tony D'Angelo, who also blows the defense and needs to try to learn the system and only be good at offense. That, that that's not That's not a solution for me at all. So I don't think they should handle it at all. The only reason that could be said is he's worked with A.V. in the past. So maybe A.V. could be the guy to say, yo, get your head out of your you-know-what and just play hockey. <laughs> but but other than that, I don't see any reason to bring him into Philadelphia unless if there's a 100% fact that A.V. is going to be able to have him just commit to the sport rather than everything else.
2: Can I just say, imagine the blue line of Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, and Tony D'Angelo, and nobody's playing defense on that team anymore. It's
0: just yeah. offense. Yeah, the only guy that's playing defense is a young guy, Ferraro. Mario Ferraro's out there going, "Why am I the only guy? I just got in the league. Why am I the only guy playing defense?" <laughs> Devin, Devin
2: do think about it. Don't, like, they'll be strapped up like Milhouse on onto the goal. Like just good luck.
0: <laughs> yeah, like that would be like a Von Proveroff when he came up with the Flyers. That's probably how Mario Ferraro's feeling right now. Guys, I just got here. Why am I the only guy playing defense? <laughs> like, because like, our defense was a pitiful when he first came up to the Flyers, so like that 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 honestly reminds me of that situation. But yeah, I agree. I think D'Angelo is gonna move on, whether it's in a different league or it's he's able to grab on with one more team. It'll be interesting to see uh, where he goes. But does anybody have any closing remarks, Luke? Did you have anything else you wanted to uh, touch on with him?
1: I can't believe that we have like the Rangers have a team where they have two very Bad defenseman, and well, they had two bad defensemen Tony D'Angelo and Jack Johnson.
2: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that was just it. It baffled me when that happened that they up Jack Johnson to play with Tony D'Angelo. I like, I don't
0: think he's the so. <laughs> answer. No, I don't think Jack Johnson's the answer in general that much anymore because he hasn't been very consistent since about four years ago, um, or longer. But he just keeps getting signed and people keep putting him in their top five for some reason, rather than having him as a depth defenseman, which is probably more where he's at at this point in his career. But that's not that's not here nor there. That's just that's just I don't I just he's one of those guys that keeps getting picked up. And it's interesting to find what people see in him, because every year you just see him struggle with a different team and then he gets picked up again. <laughs> but oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh- But um, now we could go into, we touched on him earlier, so this will be the better uh, second topic to go into when we went to Florida. Uh, Keith Yandel, so far this year, so good. He started the year um, pretty good, and he's obviously been in rumors. Heck, Florida wasn't even going to play him to start the season. Um, And then they kept playing him, and it's a good thing they did because he's been one of the best players on their team when they weren't even going to play him to start the season, he has four points, two goals and two assists in five games. So he's definitely playing to be able to be traded if that's what they want to do. Um, I'll start with Frederick on this one. since I started with Luke last time. What do you think on Yandel? And do you think he will be moved from Florida? And if so, what do you think are the possibilities of locations for him?
2: It, I actually do think he will that this, I it, there seemed to be some kind of miss between him and and Quinwell, and it's a shame because again Daniel is a great defense defenseman, and but at that cap, it's again difficult to see where he would move that would take on that cap. I again I, my best option is Ottawa. The problem is he has his no no move clause. You'd have to weigh that. Yeah. Would he do that to go to Ottawa? I am less sure. Um, like, it's... Who needs defenseman? Well, it, the Wild does, but they don't really have the cap space for him, and they are kind of going in a different direction.
0: Yeah, either uh, do the Flyers, unless if they trade Ghost, and I don't... With how Ghost has played his first couple of games back, I wouldn't trade Ghost for an older version of himself, basically.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe... No, they can't either, either. I was thinking the Blue Jackets might... Be, um, but they are—they would go over the cap, but that way, um, some would have to go back. Maybe I could see a trade with San Jose, with like a chain salary. Maybe that's how I could see that happening.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, that would be interesting if the uh, Sharks do that because I'm not sure who would be even with Yandel. As their like, would Vlasic be the guy you consider even with Yandel? Like, who's the guy that they consider kind of even with his game to move out there to to do salary dump for salary dump?
2: Yeah, All they just retain and then try potentially to um, to see if he can play maybe with. Eric Carlson as a more defenseman, allowing Eric Carlson to move forward while he can sit backwards. Because that, they do need that a little bit more defensive-minded defenseman. We just talked about like how offensive this blue line actually is.
0: Yeah, well, and I don't know if Yandel he needs... will help that much with that. Oh, yeah. But I feel Yandel... like
2: maybe he can be a little bit more. It's, it's a really difficult case of where would he go.
0: Yeah, because Yandel, the big thing with Yandel's game is he's always been more... 5-on-5 five five offense and power play than he's been 5-on-5 five five defense. Uh, but he's definitely better on defense. Don't get me wrong. He's definitely better on defense than Tony D'Angelo, who we aforementioned. But um, that's not saying much. Uh, so, but the he's a career minus 47, to put it in perspective. But he has 577 career points, 101 goals and 476 assists. So he's able to get your team rolling right now has actually been in one of his best defensive starts, which is funny because Florida didn't even want to play him. But in his first five games, he's had some of his better graded, whether you look at analytics or just pure stats, uh, defensive starts. So that's what I found interesting too. a team, two teams that have the catch space. You're absolutely right. Frederick is Ottawa. Another is I'll throw it out there again, because they're a surprise team. If they want to bring in a veteran to help solidify their youngsters, getting even better, I could see L.A. going after a Yandel more than a Yandel because L.A. has over $11 in cap space. So if they want to go after Keith Yandel, they don't even have to give up somebody with a cap hit to get him. They just need to give up somebody Florida likes, and then they can get Keith Yandel and bring in a veteran amongst their young defense. But I'll go to a Luke on this one now. What do you think of Keith Yandel and where you think he could go? And also, would you want him on maybe your team if you could get him? Um, I think he you know, he was definitely a defenseman that is a really a
1: really good defenseman in terms of trying to bring a good veteranship to your to your team, and I feel like he's definitely on the right track of. Bringing, he he has a streak. He's so far had a streak, um, with the Panthers for the longest amount of time. And you look at the past couple seasons, um, of what he's done with um the Panthers, like he had a. He had a sixty-two point season in 2018-2019. He also had a forty-five. Uh, so he's more gonna bring you forty points a season, which is great for any team that's desperately needing a defenseman. I think if I wanted to bring, if the Devils want to the though, I th- it's one of our, I think it would be great. The problem is, is that we we um we don't want it to be like a PK Stueman situation where we think he's gonna be great, but he plays terrible defensively. We don't exactly know what we're gonna be we're gonna be seeing. McKendall and what change will be? I would love it, but the thing is, what are we gonna see from him? Is it gonna be like what at his time with the Rangers where it didn't work out, or could it be something like we what we've seen in Florida? It's a basic decision, and if it's a gamble, I feel like it could definitely work. I just I think it's a good idea, but I think if the core defensively what needs another, if if we go a few more weeks and we see the core on our team getting a little. Horrible. I feel like bringing the Keith the, key, the end of wouldn't be a bad idea, but like I said, those issues I just brought up maybe maybe a big gamble, and that's gonna be a pretty big gamble to see what Yellow could do. Aside from that, I feel like Keith is gonna go somewhere where I feel like he's going to bring some sort of good defenseman. I think another place where I felt, I mean, I feel that could work. I think Detroit definitely needs some sort of defenseman over there because I was looking at the worst defenses in the NHL, and I see definitely Detroit is a big option for them and winning a veteran like Yandel could really help the defensive core knowing how young does.
0: Yeah, no that's true. That uh, that's another good pool. That's um that's one that like Frederick said we would have to see if he's willing to make a break for rebuilding team where the reason I threw LA out there is if Yandel goes there and actually keeps uh doing what he's doing this year. Be, they've been a surprise team early on they're also in a division that some people picked up and make the postseason at the so you're going to the out of those three the most likely of the three to actually be able to get in so I feel that that might be where he's likely to wave it another team that if they trade, since they kind of are in a <clears throat> flux period, if they trade some other guys cap wise, they would have enough. If you want to add to that defense, since you lost some people in recent years could be Nashville, but they would have to move maneuver some people in order to do that. Cause they're kind of right at the cap space of Yandel with their current cap space. So they would have to do some things, but if they want to bring them in to help their team get going more on offense, they could find a way to do such. That's the only other team I can kind of think of that's, also competitive and might um, sway him to waive his no-trade clause. But um, did anyone have any uh, closing remarks on our uh, Keith Yandel um, topic?
2: I think we covered it. All
0: right. Well, then what did you – did you guys want to do uh, standout players next or did you want yeah. to touch on uh, – Yeah, standout players should be yeah,
2: yeah, I think that's a good idea to kind of just do.
0: Okay, gotcha. I didn't know if you wanted to touch on what got us into the sport or do that. We'll go uh, we can do that last. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a good ending on just Okay, cool. Then since I started with uh Frederick, I believe last time I'll start with Luke on this one. Uh this week, who were some guys that you really were excited and happy watching that you enjoyed this week? Um
1: well let's start with not on my team. Let's start with something that I feel like for the past um because so I saw a lot with um say uh, Conor McDavid he actually scored the overtime winner against Maple Leaf last night he's still performing like he should be and I feel like he's definitely on that um league and you saw with the score and the what the um scoring with the points him and I believe Dreisaitl are, are are the top two so that's gonna be an interesting battle to see if these two guys are gonna be fighting for the MVP trophy this year again yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. once so again. Yeah, it's, just, it's unbelievable how many times the Oilers just have these fantastic players that are making MVP caliber season but can never win a cup.
0: Yeah, since the Gretzky year. <laughs> that is a good point. That is a very good uh, point. It's just, again, they keep on
2: getting these talents, but it's, again, how long has it been since they've won?
0: I have to see. God, I think it was like, literally in, the Gretzky year. Like, hold on.
2: I th- wasn't it like they they won one without him? I think they won right after the trade with LA. I think they did. I think that might have been the last one. Like that was when they had Gary Curry and stuff like
1: that.
2: Uh, 1987-88. Yeah, so that's been after uh, the Gretzky trade, from whatever I remember. Um, uh, but yeah,
1: incredible it was hockey. Three years. So 33 years.
2: It's an incredible hockey team, but Jesus Christ, have they got lucky with talent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Especially yeah, especially when you see what the uh, Maple Leafs have done in the same retrospect with uh, Matthews and minor. Yeah. Yes. It's just...
0: I mean, the big thing with Edmonton is goaltending. If you can get your goaltending finally in check, then you would probably be able to go a little bit over the hump of where you've been going. And also, obviously, the fact that your defense, that your best defenseman's injured this year doesn't help you any. Um, but uh, goaltending would definitely help in bunches with the fact that your best defenseman's injured. But you have Miko Koskinen playing every game of the season because of Mike Smith getting injured, who I didn't agree with bringing back anyway, because he's 39 and should have went elsewhere. You should have got, you should have brought in somebody that is able to handle the load a little bit more. But they kind of screwed themselves over. Oh
2: yeah, again, especially with the division being as tough as it, tough as it is, it's like they just rely on Mikko Koskinen somehow pulling a rabbit out of his hat, and yeah. It's rarer that happens, unfortunately,
0: than the way it does work. Yeah, it's very rare that that happens that a goaltender that has only been the lead for a couple of years, came over late in his like career life, like late in his 20s, like, um, that you're just going to be like, yeah, this guy's all of a sudden going to turn into a Vezina caliber guy and uh, take us. It's like, no, he's a good goalie, but you should probably have a actual 1B behind him and not Mike Smith. But, you know, what do I know? <laughs> but, oh, <yeah. laughs> but for me, um, before I go to you, Frederick, a guy that surprised me just because of their not injuries, but COVID mishap um, is how much Backstrom has been able to even still at the age of 33 say, oh, don't worry, guys, I got this. I'll just step up as everyone else is out. And has 13 points through nine games. Like Nicholas Backstrom's just done that his entire career. Like he usually he's more of a facilitator, does what you got to do. But then whenever anyone gets injured, he's like, all right, guys, i put my goals through and goal score skates back on again. And you're just like, wait, where did that come from? Like that's what like I just love players that are able to play within their game and then just flip a switch when they need to to be able to help their team. And that is exactly what Nicholas Baxham is. That's also pretty much what Kopitar is his entire career, where now with the Kings, he doesn't need to score anymore. They have guys that can put the puck in the net now amongst youngsters. Other guys are scoring, so he's the facilitator. He has all the 11 assists just to the one goal. But there's no issue with that because that's what they want him to do. They want him to make everyone better around him. Everyone already knows Anze Kopitar is a good NHL player. They want him to improve the young guy around him, and I think he's doing a great job at doing such. So those two guys would be my two guys that I have um, for this week that I would like to shout out. And, uh, Frederick, I'll turn it over to you. Who are some guys for you?
2: Well, I I have definitely one guy, and I'm going to go full-on bias <laughs> and Danish, but Nikolai Igles. Man, has he been Okay. Good. Yeah, man has he been good lately like he has been so good for the Jets like for me he is the Jets right now he's their best player and that is a statement coming with it from a team that has Kyle Connor uh, Mark Scheifele um, Connor but I think Nikolaj Los is the most important player when he plays well the Jets get zone time they get entry um, into the zone they get offense from that line with Stastny and Cobb. that's been such a good line um and also, he's doing, he's right now uh, 14th in the stand in um, the points race, and with 11 points in 8 games, he has done this without power play time. He has some power play time under the second unit, he doesn't get first time to ice time. Majority of that goes to like Blake Wheeler or Mark Shively for God knows what reason, but he's playing with a vengeance right now, and he has been... Outstanding this
1: week. Yeah, can we also say that um, Ty Smith once again has been proving a lot of people this week that not not a lot of people, but proving that he can play. Um, for us, he's got like eight points uh, in the in the past couple, uh, not and already in the first few games of the season, he's already proven that he's capable of playing in an NHL defense, which is lacking defense, which is fantastic for us because we need a, a really good defenseman that could really. I think it's well worth bringing, It was well worth bringing him up.
2: Oh, yeah. I agree. Again, we are going dis- to have this debate at some point. Luke. Who is the goal? Ty Smith or Kiel Kaprizov? We are going to have to have that debate at some point, And I'm yeah. not back down from Kiel Kaprizov.
0: Yeah, in the future, we'll have to have that debate. But Ty I mean, I don't know why. Like, I'm with you on that, Luke. I don't know why, just looking at that dude's game, why people thought it was going to be a slow Ascension. Like, it it must have been size. Like, that's the only thing I can think of.
1: Maybe it was. Like, when they, it took a while for him to, maybe it was skill. Maybe it was just so they saw something in him and they figured why, well, uh, they saw training camp. They're like, okay, we'll bring them up, like, this season or something. I don't know. It's just, I don't a long think time it was
0: the team, though. I feel like it was the media that was more saying, uh, I don't know yeah. who's going to be. Like, I think the team was always confident in him. I felt like it was more of the media, the NHL media saying, I don't know, he might not have the quickest ascension. And I'm like, have you seen this guy play at lower levels? Or, I mean, I don't know about what. I don't know about you, but it's pretty good in Spokane. Like, <laughs> yeah, he did exactly. Really well yeah, that's what I'm Ken. saying. Yeah. Like, it's like, it's like, like that would be like, um, if someone had like was dominating as much as him, and you got a guy coming in, like, like how um McCarr came in, I'd be like, he was doing so well. I'd be like, if someone's like, oh, well, I don't think Bo Byron or Cal McCarr are going to be good when they first come in, it's like, wait, what? What, like, like I, like I feel like his talent level was literally only. Maybe a small notch below them, if at all. That's why I was surprised people were so awestruck about how great he did when he first came in. I thought he was going to be good when he first came in, and everyone's like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. I'm like, yeah, he should be amazing. And he's doing exactly what he should be doing. He's making all of you wrong because for some reason you thought that <laughs> he wasn't going to be amazing right away. But uh-huh. that- yeah, I think it's great. Well, don't think <laughs> make- make- like, why? He's
2: obviously more than capable of playing. Hockey. Also, fun fact I just found out from a deep prospect they paid for the same junior team. <laughs> Tyson and oh, Jerry wow. Burton paid for the same junior team. Like, that just, like, they yeah, just know how to make the small defenseman work. Like, and he's such a good story for the NHL Tyson.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're trying to bring in, that's the game nowadays. It's more skill-oriented puck moving, being able to move on your skates, you don't see as many of those 6 6'5", uh, like, old-school lumberjack defensemen as much any anymore in the game because the game's kind of changing to going, going to speed kills and that type of stuff again, and skill kills rather than pounding you into the boards. That's not as much of the league anymore. So I think... Having guys like that on your system are just going to help you, Flyers. The Flyers have an offensive defenseman coming up next year, most likely in, in a Cam York, uh, That's going to be someone that's probably going to step right in and have success. So that's another guy to look out for in the next year or sometime. But yeah, it's definitely fun watching all these young guys. First, you guys also have Jack Hughes, obviously, uh, Luke. That's yes, having a great absolutely. So that's absolutely another. So fun. Fun. He's, and then he he's, here
1: isn't even back yet. Yeah, he's not back yet, but once he gets back there, I feel like that's gonna fix a lot of our problems. Like especially our penalty our special teams. Holy cow, our penalty just is so bad. Like it, especially if you were watching some of the games, especially yesterday and um yeah, yesterday and um today, you saw how bad our teams was. Like we had a 5 on 3 yesterday. All we kept doing is passing, 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 passing over and over again trying to find I guess trying to find the perfect lane and they couldn't bury it. Like just shoot it. Come on. Just what are you trying to do? Just shoot the punk and just, just try something. On a five on three, you don't just pass every five times yeah. trying to find a wide open net. It's just some dumb. Here yeah, you guys, is a
2: simple play. If hockey is a very simple game as long as you make it simple. If you try to make it overly complicated, you're gonna end up looking silly.
1: Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. We kept we kept overcomplicating it passing it every time, and that's why we, um, that's why our our power play sunk. But it's also our penalty killing, too. Our penalty penalty killing has also been pretty bad. Like, especially today, we allowed two power play goals in our win against Buffalo. But so like, we gotta fix... Once Nico Heser comes back, I feel like it'll probably fix our, um, penalty uh, special teams, and maybe it will fix a part of it. I don't know. We gotta... Yeah, because he's
0: more of a 200-foot guy.
1: Pretty much, yeah. Um... Uh, do you want to discuss, um, one, I, I didn't think about this until now. What about Jim Rutherford?
0: Oh, that's a good point. Oh, Rutherford, Rutherford did step down. That's who, um, yeah, we could go into that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely found it interesting that the GM, the assistant GM is only there for a couple months. And then when Rutherford stepped down, it's like, yeah, we need you to take the range until we find a, a new GM. Um. It seemed like it was a disagreement, and the, the ownership said it wasn't. But obviously, the ownership's not going to come out and say, "Oh yeah, well Jim wanted to do this, and we didn't want to, so he left." Like they're yeah. not going to—they're not going to say that. But it's—it oh, yeah. it seemed to me like it was some trade or some go get somebody disagreement that the ownership didn't want to have happen. The reports were it was Chris Latang where. Rutherford was ready to move on from LeTang and ownership was like, no, 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 no. You're not trading Chris LeTang. And then that was what kind of said, OK, well, I want full control of the team to do stuff. And they said no. And then he's like, all right, well, I'm going to just bounce then because I've i done enough in the league. I'm in my 70s. I'm a Hall of Famer already. What else do I need to accomplish? So I, I think that um, and also in part, I know he was with his family the whole time working remotely once you're back at home, or you're already, you're starting to realize maybe I want to be at home more. That could be part of it too. That's just the that's just the way I've looked at it. But uh, Luke, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Um, yeah. Once we saw the Penguins, especially over the past couple of um, weeks, how bad they've been, especially with the way they've been handling. Um, it's definitely it's definitely not not a surprise that Jim Butcher has been fired, especially the fact that after the last after their last Stanley Cup, they have not gotten better at all they have in fact in fact they've gotten a lot worse so it makes no it makes it me it's not really supposed to fire them but why didn't they fire him like years ago at least two years ago when they were um you know when they were showing that he was he was not capable of running the team especially against how especially you cannot build a team around stuff like Brandon tanner or Jack Johnson around these players like um yeah you, you build these players around Around them, and yet you're still trying to trying to make something work with Cindy Crosby and Evgeny Malkin again. Why not just why not just try to rebuild and make your players younger? Just try to do something different. You know, just don't try to build. Stop trying to make more about nostalgia rather than trying to make it. Trying to play smart.
0: Yeah. And I feel like Rutherford's probably not a guy to have if you want to rebuild, because like I said, he's in his 70s, or he already is in the Hall of Fame. He's a guy that's accomplished everything. What the heck does he want to be part of a, a uh, rebuilding franchise for him? He's already done everything he's really had to do in his career. So if that's the case, that could also definitely be the reason why he wanted to jump ship, because there's no point at him staying to rebuild a franchise, he's already done everything he could possibly probably want to accomplish. But uh, Frederick, what do you think of that? Um sorry, I need that question again. Sorry. Uh, what do you think of uh, Rutherford and the fact that he stepped down and do you have any reason to think why he stepped down?
2: Again, like the the official thing seems to be that it was due to the fact that he couldn't get full control of what he wanted to do any longer. Which I obviously if you, you can't have that and you don't have to trust from the back room that you're doing the best for the team, it is gonna be a tough working environment. So if that's the reason, that absolutely makes sense. The reason I'm most worried about is that there was a few cases that was kind of more of a serious legal vote um, that came out in the offseason. And if that's the reason, he's bounced to get away from that, that is a completely wrong move, and that is what I'm fearing with this. Um, and again, it seems so sudden, so it, I, I just have a feeling that that could be something that... Like, again, there's a little bit of, like, a bad... Like, with the whole bad management of, like, players and stuff like that. And Again, as you said, like, in terms of, for the Pittsburgh penguin future, just to go back into the hockey a little bit. Um, in terms of that, um, I think Rutherford has been a great GM for him for a lot of years. I think the past five, he should have retired long ago. Like, he has done... He has tried to keep... The narrative that the Penguins always have of this Crosby built team that will always have a chance to win. And then spun that hamster wheel for far too long, where on the end of it eventually become into a mediocre team. And I that's what I think the Pittsburgh Penguins is. They are a mediocre team that has Crosby, great players, but they have no prospect pool. Look at that prospect pool. Name me one prospect that is gonna gonna become a top six.
0: Pulling maybe. I, I am
2: not. That is not a guarantee whatsoever. There's no guaranteed top six player on that roster in the prospect pool. That is a disaster in terms of management, in terms of the asset management, in terms of your your prospect pool. I know you're good now, but you need future in order to stay good. And Balfour has not been able to do that. And I, as much as the two Sandy Cups back to back is his legacy. It is his legacy. That to me also kind of unfortunately shadows it uh, overshadows it in a way and kind of gives it that little murky taste to that glory where he got the two standing cup but in the chase of the third he overextended in so many deals. Jason Sooker deal, he gave up Cale Madison, um the captain and trade, he gave up um Rodion Rodiana uh, uh, Amirov, like there's so many times many I can mention like that, where it's like it's a desperation trade. And I think that unfortunately is how I'm gonna remember
0: him. Yeah, he has given up. That's kind of been Pittsburgh's thing. That's the reason they did. it's not that they never drafted anybody, it's that they trade everybody, they draft to try to stay relevant or they trade their first round pick, so they don't even have a first round pick to draft anybody with <laughs> to try to try to stay uh Relevant. That's their biggest um issue um for me. But I would say they need to do what you just said, pretty much get a GM in that's gonna focus on both ends. They're gonna focus on keeping the NHL team at least somewhat relevant because in Pittsburgh, let's be honest, yeah, their fans seem very loyal, but they ain't. You can't go into a full rebuild in Pittsburgh. We've seen it happen before. They've got saved by Mario, then they got saved by Crosby. They could have went bankrupt two separate times if they didn't have an absolute legend just come to be uh, in that time and be the saving grace of their franchise. So you have to be able to balance it. And I think they're going to be able to find a GM that's able to balance it. I don't know who that is off the top of my head. But I think if you're Pittsburgh, you want to get somebody even maybe that's the next best thing, like the guy that everyone's talking about as the next best thing. That's going to be the next like uh, Lou Amarello or something like that, like the next best guy in the league. And you might want to do that because then he's going to be fine with sucking for a couple of years in order to build it back up, because he's probably only going to be in his early 40s or in his late 30s or something like that. If you go that route, you don't want to hire another guy that's 65 if you're going to be uh, trying to build your farm system and retool here, because that guy's not going to be around for the whole process. But that's kind of the way I look at that. But um, do you have any thoughts, other thoughts on that Luke? Yeah, I think that's pretty much it for Brotherford. I feel
1: like he's um a person that he should have been five years ago. I feel like the Penguins, if the Penguins wanted to get um a better grasp on trying to rebound from the Cup days after 2017, I feel like they should have just they should have just um try to not break it all down, but just try to fire Brotherford uh, and try something different, you know, instead of just like waiting, waiting, waiting to fire him because the Penguins kept making the playoffs, but they haven't won the Cup since.
2: Yeah. The problem is, I think is that I actually think he was kind of unviable because of his two Stanley Cups. I generally don't think you could fire. Him. Like until it actually came
0: so Yeah. Uh, yeah, I get what you're saying. That makes sense. Yeah, it's hard to fire someone that is very well liked for the most part too by your fan base because of bringing you those two Stanley Cups and post-Penguins fans want to stay relevant. They they're, they're, they don't necessarily... Some do that really pay attention to the overall thing, but when you look at Twitter, most of them don't go, oh, we traded such-and-such such prospect for such-and-such. Such. Most of them are like, oh, my God, we got such-and-such. Such. Uh, so, like, with Kapanen, for example. Most people, were when I was looking at Twitter, were excited they got Kapanen and were not going, oh, well, we traded a mirror off. Like, only people that are really n- in the know kind of talked about that end of it. So... That that's kind of, I think, where they're at. It's a tough place to be as a GM because your fans want to be relevant all the time. Whether you're going to win the whole thing, they just want to be relevant. So you're going to have to be able to manage your upper team while trying to bring in the prospect pool, and that ain't an easy job. Uh,
2: I think one thing there, uh, the problem here that I have with that the that GM has to be smarter than the fans. You cannot be a DM and be dumber than the fans. If I'm, it's with coaching. If I can see the problem happening on the ice, a Danish guy who is tired and lives off popcorn to watch the NHL can see a problem. You should not repeatedly throughout three periods do the same mistake over and over and over and over and over again. And it's the same thing with the DM. They have to be smart. They have to be smarter than the fans. So make sure the team is good. They have to be smarter.
0: No, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that because I mean. If you're looking at Pittsburgh, are one young guy's up there, and he's definitely not a top six guarantee because he's an undrafted kid. The one guy they called up is a uh, Drew O'Connor that's playing for him now, who has one point in three game. Um, did pretty good um in Dartmouth when he was in college, but again, that's Dartmouth. It's not like Dartmouth's a gigantic um program. It's a solid hockey program, but you don't think of Dartmouth as you think of like the Michigans of the world or Boston College or so on and so forth. So maybe they'll get a Diamond in the rough with him, but that's not going to save your uh, franchise from where you're kind of in mediocrity like uh, Frederick uh, hinted at right now. And also Malkin just doesn't seem as motivated (laughs) Like like just watching the, the games with them. Like, I don't know if it's because of where they're at, but when you just watch Afghani Malkin this year, he just does not seem like Afghani Malkin. Like uh, He just kind of seems like he's going through the motions, which that is not what you want whatsoever as, one, a Pittsburgh fan, but, two, a Pittsburgh employee on the coaching staff because he's supposed to be one of the leaders on your team. And if he's just lollygagging around out there, that's not really helpful to anybody. Yeah. But now we're at, um as we wrapped up the Rutherford thing, we're actually at the 40-minute mark when we said we were going to go 30 minutes. So did we want to – Yeah, let's save that for the next time. Yeah, let's save that. Okay. Then on our next podcast, stay tuned as we'll introduce you guys to what got us into the sport of hockey, which would be a very fun and interesting topic. But now I'll turn it over to Frederick so he can give uh, his Twitter handles if you want people to follow you anywhere and everywhere.
2: Yeah. So my Twitter handle is Mister Underscore France. um, To two six oh three. if you guys wanna follow me there you can see me mostly random out of Minnesota while I did different post like a ten tweet thing the other day which was kind of a, again I'd usually go with don't do that, but yeah, sometimes you get a get way too upset about talking. So yeah. yeah, if you want to more of that and just random nonsense in Danish, that's the place to go.
0: Definitely feel that. Yeah, definitely feel the frustration stuff sometimes with uh, teams and hockey. But, uh, Luke, uh, for you, what is where people can find you at? You, you can find me at uh, SonicVan on Twitter. You
1: can come discuss with me about Devils hockey and what how, Um, what has impressed you about Tyson so far or any of the other rookies that we've discussed.
0: Yep, for sure. And then for me, you can find me at JJBorek26 to discuss – the Flyers or any of the three California teams, since I cover them for us here, uh, and then we can just dis- or whatever you want to really talk about, honestly, because I'll talk about anything in hockey with you. But uh, you can find me there. This has been the next edition of the Overtime Heroics Hockey Show. We're really glad and happy you joined us. Please hit the like button; it really helps, and subscribe to the podcast. Have a great, safe, and pleasant week, everybody, and enjoy the hockey.